0: Hello and welcome to a Mostly Climate special. I'm Claire Nazir. With COP27 in Sharm el Sheikh, Egypt, now underway, I caught up with Met Office climate correspondent Graham Madge, who gave me the lowdown on the key talking points of this year's International Climate Conference. Graham Madge, COP27 happens next week, Sharm el Sheikh in Egypt. It's a year since we were at Glasgow. Let's first of all talk about 1.5 degrees because that will be a key talking point. What does it mean when we talk about 1.5 Celsius? What does that actually mean in terms of climate change?
1: The main talking point at this COP, following on from Glasgow, will be the discussion around 1.5. And what 1.5 means is the threshold above temperatures that were recorded in pre-industrial levels. We have temperature records going back to the 1850s, 1900s. When you look at the average of that, what 1.5 means is 1.5 degrees above the level of temperatures that we were experiencing in the pre-industrial era. At the moment, there is an aspiration still that if there's enough effort that the globe can stay under that 1.5 threshold, which if we cast our minds back to 2015, was such an important point within the Paris Agreement. But it seems likely that even if all of the ambition that was met last year in Glasgow with the Glasgow Pact is fulfilled, our science is telling us that that's still not enough in all likelihood, to stay below that 1.5 threshold.
0: Talk about overshoot, because what we're looking at is going beyond 1.5, and then hopefully allowing that temperature to decline, that global temperature, as we meet the credentials needed, as we curb our emissions.
1: That's exactly right, Claire. We need to consider overshoot, and that will be something that People who follow the climate negotiations in Sharm El Sheikh will be hearing time and time again, I suspect, this concept of overshoot. And what that means is that the global temperature would be allowed to exceed 1.5 above that pre-industrial level and possibly go up to 1.7, 1.8. But then there's a hope that we can bend that curve downwards towards 2100 so that by the end of the century we meet 1.5 on the way down now that has certain topics around it which need a lot of consideration first and foremost is at this moment in time there isn't the global technology at scale that's proven that can actually deliver this so we would need to as humanity work out what the best way of doing this is when we've gone above 1.5 in order to get us back down. And secondly, we are going to see for every increment that we increase the global temperature, there will be increased pressure on things like the Arctic, uh, glaciers, um, that will cause sea level rise to go. We've covered this and we've talked about this many times, Claire, but these are important factors. And the higher we go, albeit temporarily on this overshoot pathway, we're placing increasing pressure on the planet's ability to be able to cope with high temperature extremes.
0: It's important, isn't it, that this year's COP is actually in Africa, considering the extremes that we've witnessed just in the last 12 months, in particular the drought across East Africa, too much rain elsewhere, The communities, countries are living on the front line of climate change. Do you think they'll have a a louder, a stronger voice for this COP being located in Egypt?
1: Well, perhaps it's a cliche to say that Africa as a continent is on the front line of climate change, but that is absolutely the sentiment. Communities, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa, need to become more resilient to climate change. We know that temperatures have risen above pre-industrial levels, inevitably they will continue to rise. And what that means is more extreme weather events. And as you say, there's been huge disruption to the climate in Africa with prolonged droughts and heavy rainfalls, increasing frequency and intensity of cyclones, for example. So all of those are factors that communities in Africa are having to deal with on a day-to-day basis. But also what we need to see is along with efforts to try and reduce the amount of emissions that we're putting into the atmosphere, we actually need to see more in the way of adaptation. We know that we've got climate change already and we know that that's gonna increase. So what we need to do in Africa, as well as Europe, the UK, of course, and elsewhere, is make our society as resilient as possible to the climate change that the Met Office Science and other scientists around the world are telling us is coming
0: So two important aspects to reducing carbon emissions, mitigation, but also adaptation, coping with the impacts that we're experiencing now, all costs a lot of money. Can you define the difference between those adaptation and mitigation? Two words which will be coming up in COP27 pretty much every day.
1: So, mitigation is where society tries to reduce the amount of greenhouse gas emissions which are going into the atmosphere. And we can do that by finding renewable energy sources, for example, driving and flying less. Those are the sorts of measures which will help lower the emissions going into the atmosphere. But alongside that, we also need to think about adaptation. And that is where we think about the future and what climate change will throw at us so that we can adapt to the climate change that we have already and the climate change that we know is coming from what climate scientists are telling us. And that could be ensuring that our infrastructure is resilient to factors like sea level rise, for example. It may be that farmers will need to find new crop types and develop crop strains that are more tolerant of future climate we will need to do a huge amount of work in cities across the world to adapt them to the climate change so that people can do the utmost to avoid factors like heat stress, that flooding becomes less of a risk. All of these factors we need to take into account because we know that we've got climate change now. We know that it's going to increase. So a big part of adapting to climate change. We'll be looking at our lives and how they will be impacted and how we can adapt to cope with those pressures.
0: According to the presidential vision statement issued for COP27, it's all about moving from negotiations to something which is far more timely, inclusive and at scale action on the ground. And this includes issues such as loss and damage, particularly from countries who are really feeling the impacts of climate change now. It's all about money, isn't it, Graham?
1: Well, it is. I mean, there's, um impacts of climate change are being felt all around the world. And what the loss and damage agenda will try to seek to do is to find ways of compensating communities for the impacts that have been imposed upon them. Let's not forget that many of the parts of the world where they're suffering the greatest impact are the areas where those countries have perhaps released the fewest emissions. So we have a long history in the West of releasing greenhouse gases from the Industrial Revolution onward. Many other countries won't necessarily have had that legacy of developing their economies to get to the same scale of emissions that we produce in the West. And there will be an increasing agenda looking at how communities in the developing world can actually be compensated or financially reimbursed for the damage and losses that they will suffer as a result of climate change.
0: Many thanks to Graham and Madge. And you can stay up to date with the latest on all things climate related by subscribing to our Met Office Climate Newsletter that's published every fortnight. Just head to our website for more details metoffice.gov.uk Mostly Climate is a podcast by the UK Met Office. For the latest weather conditions where you are, download the Met Office Weather app.